Welcome back to The Foreign Desk. I'm Lisa Deftari. This week on The Foreign Desk, we're going to be discussing something uh, quite controversial. I'm sure you've all been following what Kanye has said and what Kyrie has said and what the consequences have been and then what Dave Chappelle said on the topic. And that's, of course, um, what has been deemed as anti-Semitic talk by very influential African-American figures in society. Uh, and I wanted to invite my friend on for a very long time, Pastor Jumisani Washington, to break this all down for us. This is somebody who has dedicated his life to telling the world about the very natural relationship between the African-American community and Israel and Jews. And uh, I think there's nobody better to break this down for us. Welcome to the show, Pastor Dumasani. Welcome. I want to actually tell uh, people about your background. You're the founder and CEO of the Institute for Black Solidarity with Israel, IPSI. You're also the founder of the diversity, uh, the former diversity outreach coordinator for KUFI, um, and a pastor, a musician, and more than anything right now, a very important voice and influencer in all of this. Uh, and your latest book is the second edition of Zion. Zionism and the Black Church, Why Standing with Israel, will be a defining issue for Christians of color in the 21st century. Talk about uh, perfect timing right now. Um, you know, I, I want to give you the floor because I think, you know, um, I've been following your tweets or following you on Instagram, as I know many people are, and it seems like you 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 capture everything so beautifully, so appropriately. And um, this is something that's very close to your heart. So I'm sure this has been very devastating for you to watch the unraveling of this very natural relationship between Blacks and Jews and have it be so raw, so front and center right here in, in pop culture and politics, wherever we're seeing it. Right. Well, Lisa, yeah, it is um, both disappointing and but not completely unanticipated, uh, right? So for, for me and for our organization, for me personally, the, the journey where it comes to Israel and the Jewish people was it's like 30 plus years, right? So this has been a long view. Everything from the issue of the Black Hebrew Israelites, which I write about in my book, Zionism of the Black Church, which isn't one entity, right? There's different iterations of it. There's the one that's based in Demona, uh, Israel. There's another, the headquarters of the one that is what I call the more, uh, the longstanding one that's based in Chicago. And then there's, then there's other, iterations of it uh, that are different parts of the country that many people are aware of, unfortunately, because of the negativity the, on YouTube, uh, some of the, the preachers, uh, whether on street or in different uh, places, uh, saying some very negative things around Israel, the Jewish people, that type of thing. So it, it seems to be a confluence of things, right? You have uh, Kanye West, who probably the largest hip hop artist, uh, one of them of all time, uh, with his tweets and, and his comments uh, that are not nuanced at all about the quote Jews. Um, and then of course, uh, it, not really related, but obviously during the same time frame, Kyrie Irving shares, shares a link. Uh, he's an NBA star, right? From a, a, a film that is extremely anti-Semitic uh, and uh, Holocaust denying all of those things, right? So you have all of these things unfortunately happening at the same time. And I put this real spotlight when it comes to the Jewish the black community and the relationship which in this nation goes back over a century you're talking about a synergy and a cooperation and a and a working together that goes again to the earlier part of the 20th century so uh it has been disappointing to see i guess if anything the any type of positive has been is that it has forced 
deeper conversations uh, within the communities and everything. That's always a good thing. But unfortunately, the way that it's happened has not been a good way. But I mean, there's so much I want to break down from what you just said. Not not unanticipated. I definitely want to get into that. But more than anything, how did this Jew hatred creep into the, the psyche of Black Americans? As you said, this is some, something so natural for them to have a, a similar struggle, you know, that kind of uh, uh, kind of um, starting, you know, and, and building their way up in, in industries where they were not welcomed. You know, there's so much that you talk about, you know, in your book and in, in throughout your platform. But how did this even how did this enter the psyche of Black Americans? Well, there really is a, a genesis of this. Right. Um, Dr. King, a great place to start. Right. Actually addressed this in the late 1960s, almost verbatim. Right. Uh, and I write about again, write about this in my book. And I discuss it in different chapters of the book. And in the introduction of the book, I refer to Dr. King's, one of his last writings before he was assassinated, what's called, Where Do We Go From Here? From Chaos mm -hmm. to Community. And one of the things that he unpacks is a rising anti-Semitism among the younger Black community for reasons that have nothing to do with our history together as Blacks and Jews, but everything to do with some newer things that are happening now. Uh, like what? Like, for example, he talked about, I'll give you two examples. In another document, he talks with rabbis literally 10 days before he's killed, right? March 25th, 1968. And they have a conversation about anti-Semitism in the Black community, right? And one of the things that he talks about, the rabbis are asking him, some of what you're not, you and I are talking about right now, Dr. King, why are we hearing anti-Zionist rhetoric coming from, and they were very clear to say, it's from the younger ones. You're talking about the Eldridge Cleavers, the Stokely Carmichael's, Black Panthers. Again, the younger version, Dr. King's mm -hmm. only 39 at this time, but he's still an elder statesman at this time. He never made 40 years old, right? And he's explaining to them a couple of things. He says, the Negro, he says, I'm using that term from, I'm quoting, the Negro sees he has a relationship with two very dissimilar ways when it comes to the Jewish community. And he begins to talk about the Jewish person that they deal with in the city, who is a store owner, who is a landowner. And I want to be very, very clear about this. Dr. King talks about some of the clashes that are there, but he's not talking about clashes because it's Blacks and Jews. He's talking about there's been such a close proximity and living together that there's a deep relationship that when there are problems, nefarious actors focus on that thing and they try to blow it up. When in reality, one of the reasons why, for example, you had Blacks and Jews living in close, close proximity in neighborhoods is because his history, Jewish people were some of the only ones who would either rent to us or live near us where other the white community would flee. This has much to do with why we got we were so connected for such a long period of time. And the vast majority of those relationships were good were positive, they were not problems, right? The same thing in the in the, uh, in the the music industry, many Jewish people go into the industry, they become agents, they become producers, and those relationships with the black community are very prosperous, very good. However, there are some bad ones, right? The bad ones get focused on as if it's because it's Jews and blacks and not because it's a business situation. Dr. King begins to unpack those very things and says that these are some of the things that people are using to attack when it has nothing to do with Jews and Blacks coming together and, and getting along together. I mean, okay, but I mean, throughout time, why hasn't this been corrected? And has it been? You know, you've been you've been on this for much longer than anybody else. I mean, um, hey, I want to ask you how you got into this. What what drew you to this relationship between Blacks and Jews? 
And B, um, to my original question, you know, how, how has this been throughout time? Why hasn't it been corrected? So my journey, Lisa, I would have to say of the many places I could point to other than childhood and how, how my path just kind of unfolded. I remember the first time in 1984, 1984, I'm a senior in high school. It's the first semester. And what happens in 1984? Anybody knows the Israel history? The uh, Operation Solomon, Operation Moses, right? I actually see that on television and on the news cable, boom. But and I don't even know what I'm looking at. I know nothing about the modern state of Israel. I don't even know about the Ethiopian Jewish community, right? But I see this and it's emblazoned in my mind. As my life kind of unfolds, it makes sense that why that captured me so much. And the state of Israel and the Jewish people and the Jewish diaspora, these are things that there were very much uh, 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 they, they, they drew me in terms of study, right? Whether it was scripture, whether it was talking, whether it was history. And this became part of a basis of an Israel advocacy much later on. It's a short version of, of that story. So, and it starts even before then, but that was probably a, a real, a, 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 a real marking point at that, at that stage. When it comes to what happened here, the reason I referenced Dr. King is because things turned at the late sixties and then going into the seventies. Turn meaning not just with his assassination, but you had particularly where Israel is concerned, Israel's enemies. And now I'm talking specifically about people like Yasser Arafat and the PLO, who you PLO, as you already know, which was started by the KGB. It was a KGB disinformation tool. Right. And this we have all as we say, we have all the receipts. All these things are, are there. They actually targeted leaders of the black community, both in Africa and the United States for the purposes of demonizing Israel, for the purposes of furthering anti-Semitism, right? And why would they pick the Black community? Well, for the very reasons that you're asking, because there had been such a synergy that goes back to Julius Rosenwald and Booker T. Washington in the early 1900s in this country, all the way through the civil rights movement, they recognized that in this nation, when it comes to issues like the struggle for justice, Iconic black leaders represented that universally, like Dr. King, like a Jesse Jackson. These people were in the struggle. So now let's focus on those people and get those leaders, as many as we can, to begin to say things like Israel, uh, Zionism is racism, to begin to get them to sign off on Israel's uh, alleged poor treatment of the Palestinian people. That's what began to happen. It never captured the hearts and minds of the, the majority of the Black American community, but the leaders oftentimes did get pulled into that rhetoric. Uh, is that what you would say happened in BLM, for example? Because you see so many um, American Jews support BLM. Yes. We're talking about 2020, yes, right? Mm -hmm. And as things became, you know, started to unravel, yes, I don't know. People are still buying, drinking the Kool-Aid. I don't know what's going on. But I mean, how would you tie that then from 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 historic, you know, 60s, 70s, fast forward to BLM and how, you know, anti-Semitism infiltrated that movement again? I, again, and I not a book plug, but I actually draw that correlation in the book, Zionism in the Black Church. BLM then becomes the modern day iteration, if you will, of the PLO. And, I, and I, I, these are controversial statements, but they're just true. For the people who would see BLM and try to view it as an NAACP, that's why it's confusing because it's not. It's not an urban league. It's not focused primarily on the Black community, especially when it is now parroting the talking points of the PLO, right? We would ask people sometimes some very, very obvious questions because BLM, as many people may not realize, didn't start in 2020. It actually started in 2013, right? 
by the time the Ferguson controversy happens with Mike Brown, which is 2014, this is when BLM begins to emerge as a more of a household name, right? And so what it immediately begins to do is take the issue of criminal justice, police brutality, and it connects it to the Israeli-Palestinian conflict, which should have been the first red flag to anybody watching, because those two things have nothing to do with each other, but that becomes their talking point, and they begin to demonize Israel while they begin to ostensibly fight for human rights where the Black community is concerned. You know, and I want to read your, your tweet on, on where all this is headed, because you did say this was not unanticipated. You say, one key reason why anti-Semitism will get worse is because the progressives that control education, social media, and much of the corporate world will not stop pushing CRT, DEI, BLM, and all the other racist nonsense social justice warriors live for. Yes, ma'am. And so you know me right now, Lisa, I shoot from the hip, right? This is, this is, that's very much how we've gotten here, right? Those progressive ideologies that have victimization at their core, hatred for America, hatred for the West, hatred for white people, on and on and on. Not only do they not do any good for the Black community, they actually produce more demonization of the other. And when people begin to use colorism, like the opposite of what Dr. King said, not by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. When we do the inverse of that and we begin to attack not things that are unjust, but the things that are white, things that are Jewish, things that are Ashkenazi, things, this is how you get that type of thing. As you know, Lisa, the critical ethnic studies curriculum, which became law for California State Universities in 2020, has within it the demonization of Israel. That Israel is committing genocide, that Israel is an apartheid state. Kids are learning this in school now. So if they thought what Kanye said was bad, people are being systematic, or Kyrie, the, the, the film that he posted, right? They are learning this type of material now in school, not just in California, exactly across the country. Right. That's what we mean by that point. Yeah, and I, I, I was going to get to that next perfect segue, how this is is being introduced by politics and then piggybacks on, you know, uh, uh, pop culture and, and all these other figures that are more in the spotlight. And, and it's almost like the, the court of public opinion is deciding on the Kanye's and the Kyrie's, but no one's talking about Gavin Newsom or Joe Biden. No one's talking about Ilhan Omar or Rashida Tlaib as being the ones who are bringing this on, or more importantly, the U.N., where every single day they have a new investigation into Israel, a new condemnation against Israel, but yet the, yes, the Iran regime is still sitting on their Women's Human Rights Council. I mean, yes. it's 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 really clown talk. But at the end of it, I mean, why is a small country like Israel? And if anybody here is trying to say Israel and, and the Jewish people are not synonymous. Hmm. Come at us. We have the receipts. I love that 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 we have the receipts. Yes. So we're not going to allow for that. We're going to say the extension of Israel being the Jewish people. So if you're tar targeting Jews here, obviously you're targeting Israel. And if you're targeting Israel, you're targeting Jews. They'll be one and the same in this conversation. Why? Why with all the child trafficking, with all of the horrific things that are going on in the world right now, the Iran movement, for example, it's a women's led movement. No one's paying attention. Everyone's fixated on Israel. Right. Why is this such an easy target? And why was it so easy to penetrate and, you know, all these different elements as you outlined? Well, for me, Lisa, one of the answers to that question goes back to me as I have to answer that I put my pastor hat on, right? 
this is very both a spiritual and, and, a, and a natural thing. Spiritual in that I'm a, I'm a firm believer in the scriptures. I'll bless those who bless you, curse those who curse you, right? So this is a fundamental belief for me in that when it comes to the hatred of the Jewish people, I was sharing with our, our some of our uh, other constituents before. When you consider, for example, the conspiracy theory, the theories that are abounding now, the Jews control this, the Jews control that. Well, what happened with Pharaoh? When Pharaoh decided there were too many Hebrews, he starts a conspiracy theory. There's too many of them. They might try to overthrow us. Everything he said was a lie. None of it was, it was all in his head. But the whole pogrom that he started there, which begins the first redemption, was all in his head because of his fear of these prosperous Hebrews. Fast forward thousands of years later, the Jews control this, the Jews have that. Oh my God, we must do something about these people. So that's why I talk about it's spiritual. Pharaoh's gone, Hitler's gone, but that mindset remains. At some point, it begins to focus in our Jewish brothers and sisters for no reason other than they are prevalent in this area. They're prevalent, as you know, we have said it before, the fact that you have a lot of people, and Dr. King again addressed this as well, when I told you about that whole chaos of community, he was saying what was going on now in the black community, which was newer, was that there were some who were beginning to harbor resentment to Jews, he said, I'm paraphrasing, because of their prominent places in society, not understanding how they got there. This is what Dr. King said over 50 something years ago. Wow. Fast forward now, we're dealing with it right now. Right, absolutely dealing with it right now. But how do we how do we rid this influence? How do we correct the narrative? I mean, I, I know you're focused on a lot of initiatives for young black people. Um, I mean, top down, how do we how do we get rid of this? Number one is always there's a three-step thing that we do is education and then it's uh advocacy and then it's community engagement. This is part of what our actual model is, right? And number one is always when always, you say sorry, when you say our are you talking about Ipsy or your foundation, or are you talking about just your own approach to this? Our organization, the Institute for Black Solidarity with Israel, and people can go to the website there and find out more, ibsi.org. And our PEACE initiative is actually addressing what we're talking about now. And PEACE is an acronym for Plan for Education, Advocacy, and Community Engagement. And that first part, of course, is education. Once people are taught and they learn truth, right, when they are able to actually, because part of what a conspiracy theory is and all these attacks are based in lies, distortions of truth. Sometimes there's an element of truth that's there, but it's not really explained. This is what we do in our organization. We actually do the education, then we do the advocacy that's based on education. I just want to just interject this one quick thing, Lisa, you mentioned this. We talk about Black Lives Matter and you were talking about how People are now focused on Kyrie or Kanye, but they're also ignoring this huge thing over that systematic in terms of uh, social media, in terms of curriculum. We made that point. If you go to an article, one of the articles we wrote was about, we called it the hypocrites who fight anti-Semitism. Here you have the NBA taking Kyrie to task for him sharing the link to a video, but the NBA is all in with Black Lives Matter that has literally terrorized Jewish communities in LA and in New York. And NBA has said nothing about that. We said that causes harm. Not only is it a disproportionate response as if nothing for them, but let's hang Kyrie in the town square. It also gives the false sense to everyone that the problem is Kyrie. The problem is Kanye. No, the problem is much broader than that. And not really speaking to the whole thing makes it deceives other people into think what's actually going on. Because as you know, Lisa, there is a real problem with Jew hatred that is rising in our country. And it's in different sectors. Focusing on one is a disservice to our Jewish friends and to our nation. You know, it's interesting. You brought up a point that I hadn't thought about before. Why is it that, you know, with all that we've seen with BLM being an utter failure and fraud, 
-hmm. on so many levels, right? Um, why people are still fearful to say that or to condemn them because they want they, they'll appear to be racist. But yet, if you go against or if you talk out against Chappelle or Kyrie or Kanye, it's just you know freedom of speech. If you're if you're if you're pro and if yeah. you're against, well, that one item that he said wasn't right. So they feel like perhaps they can nuance the right. criticism. Whereas if I, they say anything about Black Lives Matter, flat out, they'd be called right. a racist. Right. And you touched on it, the, the whole racist part. And this, we said again, what has been made a progressive mantra, right? The whole social justice where look at what happened when Jews tried to join the Women's March. Look at what happened when Jews actually were helping with BLM, how it gets turned on them in terms of Israel being apartheid, say all of these things, right? You have a situation in our society in which people, because they want to be a part of something positive, which is not a bad thing, right? You want to fight against injustice. You want to show that you care. Unfortunately, in many of these spaces, there's such an anti-Semitic undercurrent that's there that if you're Jewish or pro-Israel, you almost have to like hang your Zionism at the door. Right. ignore anything that's said negatively where right. the Jewish people are concerned and then join it. Now, if you don't have any integrity about yourself, yeah, you'll do that. But if not, it's really going to bother you for you to deny what you truly believe in order to be a part of this, this movement, if you will. And that has been the cost of admission, right? Deny Israel, call it an apartheid state, deny any friendship with the Jewish people, and then you can stand with us. Well, obviously that's nonsense, but many people get pulled into that because they want to be a part of something they feel bigger than themselves. But why isn't there an alternative? Meaning, you know, if young people are looking to hang on to something like BLM, right? Um, why aren't they listening to you instead of, you know, the leaders of BLM on this? The, I, what's amazing uh, to me is that when you're going back 50 plus years ago, like the Dr. King, or you're fast forwarding to now, when it comes to truly organic, real solutions or real speaking truth to power, that generally separates what I say sometimes in our church, the men from the boys, the women from the girls. In other words, it challenges your maturity. It challenges your integrity, right? In other words, do you want to just march and have signs and wear a t-shirt and hashtag? Or do you really want to be a part of something that solves real problems? And the reality of it is in our pop culture, most people want to hashtag something, retweet something, right. post something and feel really good about themselves instead of really what we say, doing the work. Do you really understand the issues? For example, Lisa, all that's going on in Iran right now, and we know that there, for example, of many things, there are the Christian church that's there that has been suffering, standing along with all the other Iranians who are fighting for justice and for freedom. And you have Christians that are there who have been uh, persecuted and all of these things. And they're now trying to tell the world, warning them that although what we're going through is real and we thank you for standing with us, we see the same type of despotism in other parts of the West. And now we, Iranian Christians, along with Iranian brothers and sisters who are standing, we're also saying we're concerned. We are seeing the same types of fascism. We're seeing the same types of totalitarianism in your countries. You need to be aware. Is the person really willing to do the work and understand what they're saying? Or they just want to jump on a bandwagon, hashtag something about Iran, and then move on to the next thing? That's what it always challenges us to do. Absolutely. I mean, how do we combat this? I mean, I, I know I'm, I'm asking you probably the same question over and over again, because I just keep thinking about you're such a resource and you're able to connect with young people, whether it's through social media or your ability to communicate is is, is phenomenal. And, and your grandfather, no one would believe that. Grandfather, um, 
So here's the thing. You would ask me, for people who are watching this, we started our peace initiative. And our peace initiative, the Plan for Education, Advocacy, and Community Engagement, we've recruited people from across the country who are on a nine-month journey. First of education, we are studying. We are once a month. We come together. We have instructors that are part of the Jerusalem Center for Public Affairs in Jerusalem, instructors that are in, in Africa, instructors are here in the United States, about the United Nations, ancient Israel, modern Israel, the Black and Jewish community. We are headed for South Africa in a couple of weeks where we will unpack the whole Israel apartheid lie and speak to parliament members and everybody, and then go to Israel in June, right? The Holy, the motherland in December, the Holy Land in June, and they will be what we call Ipsy ambassadors, being the hub of Black Jewish synergy in their cities across the country. This is the inaugural one. We're just starting as a, as a pilot. And if people want to know more, this is how we are tackling this issue on the ground. It has to be something that's actually on the ground. You know, that it's tremendous. But I have to ask, because I'm just playing devil's advocate, what yes. kind of, of people are you attracting? So what's amazing is that it's I'm so excited, although they'll see them. They are from different sectors of society. Right. One of the things that our team talked about was what did we want to do? Right. We're going to try to focus on influencers who are actors or athletes or do we want just for right now people on the ground. We said we want people. Some of them are educators. Some are former military. A couple of them are pastors. Right. They are in different parts of society with their own influence within their city and within their within their areas. Wonderful. And we are arming them with the tools. And you know what's amazing, Lisa? They have already begun recruit the next year's group and we haven't even started registering. Amazing. So this is already happening. Our goal is to have some 300 Ipsy ambassadors in about 48 cities across the country in the next four years. Amazing. And uh, it's, it reminds me of, of the birthright trip that, that takes the children to Israel to, again, arm them and give them what they call their birthright and, and give them an a, a insight into what Israel does, both you know politically, culturally, religiously. And it sounds like this is a, a wonderful program to, to really get people to just open their eyes up to the truth. It's amazing how much people just consume what they believe is truth from hashtags and from tweets and from Instagram and TikTok. Um, thank you for all your work. I can go on and on. And I, I hope you'll come back and tell us about your trip and um, all the other things that you're working on. In the meantime, thank you for, for fighting the good fight on social media and being uh, such a representative of this true narrative that fights such a larger, louder narrative that's false. Uh, and um, we hope to echo all the wonderful things that you're doing and uh, we're, consider us your, your partner in this endeavor. So good luck to you. Thank you for coming on. Uh, and where can people find you? You said you gave out your website, but please do it one more time. IBSI.org, Institute for Black Solidarity with Israel, IBSI.org, and all of our social media is on that page as well. Wonderful. And for those of you who at home who would like to subscribe to our weekly podcast, go to youtube.com slash Lisa Daftari. And to sign up for our daily top 10 newsletter, go to foreigndesknews.com and you can sign up there. We will see you all again next time.